kind of bring up our first topic here. So uh, we're going to talk a little bit about this trade. I don't know if you could tell Nina, just looking at our screenshot that I put up on the kind of our outline, what happened last week, but I'm going to pull a green chart up really quick, kind of show this unique thing that was setting up with gold um, for everybody. So let me get this up really quick for you guys. All right, and I should be able to share from here. As it pops in. So let's go, I'm gonna grab one of my layouts. Oh no, did I lose my green chart layout? Oh no, here we go. This is right. XAU. And then as I get this up, just give it a second, guys. Sorry. It's being a little slow on my end. Well, it's really thinking about it. Yeah, give it a sec, guys. It's just loading. Wow, my charts are being super slow. Are your charts like this, Nina? Yeah, it's going so slow. I was just going to pause my video to see if that helped. Oh, here, give me two seconds. Could also be just time. There we go. Okay, there we go. That's perfect. It's popping in. There we go. So here is that breakout. And just looking at this from a technical standpoint, let me just back this up so everyone knows what was going on. So this is gold. Um, I'm trading it on the XAU, which is a currency-based uh, way of trading this. So this is actually in a Forex platform. And it's written as a Forex pair. So it's gold based on the dollar. And so right now, by the way, if you're interested in buying gold, we're at a great price at this 1857. Um, this would be a time if I was actually taking physical ownership of gold, I'd be thinking about getting it again as we've come off of the $2,000 ounce price. But you can see we've got this long trend going up, the short trend coming down. And we, because of the two colliding, these two channels colliding, we created kind of this wedge that we've been in over the last two weeks. And we had support at 1882, resistance at 1967. And Nina, what I was sharing with the group were, were these support and resistance bands and how as this start, starts to tighten up inside of this channel, or this funnel, you could call it, the pressure just gets tighter, tighter, and tighter. And we finally had the breakout. Uh, it happened this week where it went towards the short side and had someone taken this trade towards the short side, you would have taken possibly a take profit just above your support here. You would set your exits above. But now we're in like a whole new territory. Uh, and so what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna leave these lines on here, but 
what we want to probably be looking at, this is definitely broke out so we can get rid of this channel now. And that, that channel, by the way, went way back uh, clear into November of last year. But this is a brand new breakout. Now that we're here, you know, we can kind of readjust our highs and lows on this channel. I like that. That's nice and tidy. And we're definitely in a short trend right now. And we've got support. Uh, remember this light support, guys, that we drew in at 1848? We've got strong support at 1802. Now that we're in this kind of new, and this is a very tight channel, by the way. If we were to redraw this, I mean, we're talking, this is a pretty steep channel. So the likelihood of a breakout inside of this is pretty high. Uh, likely to slow down at this 1848, which is kind of the soft support, but it is soft. So there's a lot of room for this to continue going down. So just from a technical standpoint, no fundamentals. Uh, we can talk fundamentals on why this went down and why the news actually drove this down. Uh, but from a technical standpoint, we're in two short trends and you're below uh, 1882 support. So, I mean, this still has in my opinion, room to run. And you'd want to set probably a take profit above the 1802 level, give yourself some room, set your, st your stop losses just above the 1882 price above this. But this is something you could scale into now. This is something you get into later. You've, we've already broke this. Nia, any thoughts on your side or questions about the setup from your perspective? Mm. I think you're muted. Yep. Do you have those candles? Are they representing a day? Is that what that says? Yeah, these are daily. This is a, a one day chart. Yep. Yeah. So the where it just is posting, it looks like it's already tested a buy and it's still retracing back down. So yeah, yeah today, I agree you with you totally. Like you we've got room for selling still. I mean, you could shorten it down and wait for it to retrace a little bit more on the buy side and then just position better positioning. But yeah, I like come into this. Yeah, I see that too. So yeah. let's see if I can zoom in. Nope, didn't like that. Yeah, like if you came back into this four hour candle. Yeah. Where did it where did it come into here? I hear. 79 yeah yeah so it's the top of it so literally all of this happened this morning yeah so i agree you could get some retracement in here get a better price yeah well you I can wonder. see that like the bulls are trying they're just like so timid yeah they're not they're not breaking out yet the challenge was fridays and that's the challenge with doing this today you have most of your momentum happen early in the day, and then the traders kind of go to sleep during the evening unless there's some major announcements. And most of yeah. the economic calendar, they leave everything off Friday afternoon. It's like they want everyone to go sleep well over the weekends or something. You know, all the major well, announcements don't, don't want come out. Like carrying over, you know, they don't. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, activity. So, yeah, I I agree with you. I. I think positioning in would be easier to do on like a Wednesday. I think this price is probably not going to move much uh, the rest of, yeah. of today in terms of coming back into this candle. 
But there's sure. the trend, guys. So if I were to draw this, well, we can talk about it later, but this is definitely into a short side. One of the things that I like doing, let me bring this up really quick. Uh, let's do gold on my trading view. Oh, it does not like that. And we'll bring this up again at the end, but I like looking at the um, overall technicals on gold also. Whoa, and everything here. Look at guys. <laughs> Look at how strong this is. Strong sell, strong sell, sell. All the, all the moving averages and oscillators have moved to a really strong sell. So even, even though we've drawn our own technicals on this chart, uh, this is, I always like, getting an affirmation that I did the right thing. This is showing us a pretty strong sell too. So lots of movement to the short side. I think, I think the, the bears are winning and probably will win into next, uh, I would say probably Monday or Tuesday. This trend's going to keep going. All right. Well, that's cool. Let's go into uh, any other thoughts on that, Nina, as I move on. No, I agree. I think that looks good. And yeah, everything is on the sell side for sure. So Nina has been, as I transition on, give our audience a little bit of background from you, Nina. So these guys understand like how long you've been trading, yeah. what kind of your background is around the markets, what markets did you like trading the most? Yeah, so I've been trading now for, holy cow, almost seven years, pretty full-time. As much as, I mean, trading isn't a full-time thing, but as an actual right. time. Right. But um, yeah, and I traded mainly currencies to begin with, um, just because it was more, you know, you can trade them late at night, you can do different things. Um, and then as crypto kind of became more prevalent in the trading world and accepted on more platforms, I went pretty heavy into that. So the past about three years, I've traded almost prime solely uh, Bitcoin and a little bit of other cryptocurrencies, but so that's kind of my my expertise or forte. Um, and yeah, yeah, it's great. I love it. It keeps, it's very conducive for someone that has very sporadic timing. I've got four little kids and we homeschool and do tons of other stuff. So yeah, life's crazy. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah, I've known Nina for all of those seven years and probably even longer. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we've, I've watched and heard some of your trading results over the years. And so it's been fun to be exposed to that. So we're moving into our psychology portion. I don't know if you had a chance to review much of this, Nina, but is there one of these images you would want to start on or one that you liked the most? I kind of was debating between these three. So we're jumping into the psychology of trading guys. We're going to be talking about uh, psychology cycles. And there's three illustrations that I brought into this that all are actually the same, but illustrated differently. And I kind of like them for different reasons, but I'm kind of leaning towards this, just the real simple one to start, the one without the people on it, just the, the yeah. lines with dots. Yeah, yeah. Why don't we why don't we start with that? Yeah, and I, I, I want to kind of go through this with you guys because this is the 
I think it's it's valuable to understand the cycles of the psychology of, a, of the market. And in any hype cycle, like as we went through, um, even, even I would call it the Bitcoin craze or the crypto craze, and now the AI craze, every market goes through this kind of this cycle where it always overshoots where it's it's going to land. It just always does. And this, it starts with some level of optimism where the market goes into an idea, you know, like what we're going through now with AI, but did with like crypto. And it's like, oh, we have this new way, you know, let's talk crypto. The optimism would be like, oh, this is a great idea to secure up, you know, non-fungible ideas and and having really pure record keeping and having something decentralized. And then, you know, people got excited about it. We went through this excitement phase of crypto where there's memes and Elon was getting on and talking about stuff. And then we go through the thrill of, you know, the market's doing well, the, the value of your crypto is going up. And then we hit this point of euphoria where people are millionaires out of nowhere. Uh, a lot of luck happened in the market and then things started topping off and the highs weren't there as, as high as they were before. And, you know, Bitcoin came off of its, you know, $60,000 highs and your, your, your Ethereum started, and then people got nervous and started wondering, is this going to come back? You know, are we going to be able to hold through this? And then people go into denial, like, oh, there's no way Bitcoin's going to drop the dollars crap. And, you know, the system we have is broken. And then people start to realize like, oh, maybe the system's not as broke as we thought it was. And they start getting a little scared about their Bitcoin holdings uh, or crypto holdings or their NFTs that they bought that were just images on a computer for half a million dollars, right? And then people start panicking. They start selling. The capitulation starts to happen. And then the desperation typically doesn't happen until there's like a recession. And... Uh, that can be in a market, but also actual overall markets can force these in all markets. And that's where people will get to a point. And this, this shows more of the emotional. The stock market actually reacts, I think, worse than this once we get to desperation. Because once you're at desperation, everyone, like there's blood in the streets. People will sell you their stock for a loaf of bread. They'll sell their stock to keep their house, right? And so from a market standpoint, we're not quite there, but I would say... You know, you could say that the crypto market went through this phase and then it started to recover a little bit and people went, no, no, you know, it's bad. Yeah, maybe it wasn't worth 60,000, but now we're at like 20s with Bitcoin, but there's still a application for this. And then, you know, the hope, the relief and the optimism starts to kick in. I don't, what's been your experience, Nina, with like your time in the market and, and experiencing kind of these whether they're personal waves or watching the market as a whole and how it reacts, like what's been your experience kind of seeing this chart and uh, your personal trading? Yeah. Well, and I think there's, if I were creating this chart, I would add one missing piece called confusion. Because like, there's oh, yeah? a, okay. Where does that one fit? Probably between fear and panic mm. because it's like, there's this point that you hit where once you're, Maybe only if you're you've ever done technical trading, because 
especially right now with so with BlackRock trying to do the Bitcoin ETF and all these different things with crypto, not knowing how it's going to be adopted or not be adopted or regulated and not knowing what the value of the dollar is going to be. There's a lot of confusing pieces that like almost put things at a standstill. Yeah. Like, like everyone's just almost holding their breath, trying to see, okay, what's going to happen next. Hmm. So as I went, when I was an earlier trader and you get through that, right. You, when you don't necessarily have that much wherewithal, you're just looking at and going through the emotions. It's like you ride the high of, yeah, you won something, but then the, yeah. that crash, if you lose, is so much more overpowering for most people. Mm. And I think the few that transfer through and actually are able to stick to their fundamentals and not let that crash overwhelm are the ones that have an understanding that that's what they're going to experience and can kind of get ahead of it. Yeah. And go from a place of, yeah, I'm not going to worry about that one loss because mathematically knowing what's going to come next, it'll, it, that loss won't mean anything. Yeah. I like, I like this illustration because I think the visual kind of explains the middle without saying uh, confusion. Because you go through like this fear to desperation. Yeah. And it's like <laughs> confusion feels very similar to this where this guy in desperation his head looks like he's blowing up and he's sweating out of his armpits right right <laughs> and it's like yeah confusion does kind of feel that way and what's interesting is what's right next to it this panic and capitulation where yeah. it seems like confusion it is kind of a settling it's like the beginning of a settling point right it's like but like there's still stuff moving but i'm confused about it and I, I would say I've been there, at least as from the market as a whole standpoint. The, the hardest thing to, to calculate with the last move we've had in the market has been inflation. And that data, yeah. the inflation effect has skewed all of the typical indicator numbers, right? So when you're looking at like unemployment, it's like, well, yeah, it's being skewed by inflation. If you look at the value of homes, it's like, yeah, that's being skewed by inflation. The value of the market, that's being skewed by inflation. So everything looks great on paper, but it's like, but inflation's kind of this hidden thing that I would say is kind of causing this, what's going on? It, yeah, so I like that confusion piece. I'm going to bring up this last chart just because this is kind of like the, the heavy one. I wonder yeah, it's almost like the public right now, we know... We know the inflation numbers that they're posting are such bull. Like we, like we know that's not as lived or accurate. Oh and yeah, so, you mean like inflation versus true inflation? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. 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 So it's like no, you're not. I, I I grocery shop. I know I can't leave the store even if I'm running in for two things for less than fifty bucks. So like right. yeah, no, you're not telling me it's at you know seven percent or whatever. But anyway, yeah. so it well, and there's, there's a lot that they keep out of that inflation number. So like fuel oh, prices okay. aren't included. The price of homes aren't included. Um, I mean, you know this. We've gone through a 200% uh, increase in homes over 20 years. And inflation doesn't show that number at all. Yeah, wages don't show that number at all. So it's like we, we know we're being duped. 
right? Like the consumer knows. And so that has us being like, again, in that state of you're not sure where to move because you don't know when that the when it's going to unveil, like when it's actually going to hit the fan. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I want to go through this chart really quick just because I liked the thing that I liked about this one compared to all the others is this is probably more what it looks like in the market, right? Like in terms of like price, but I like yeah. the, the things it says, because then you find like what it means to be complacent. Oh, we just need to cool off for the next rally. Like, oh, that's what complacency sounds like or anxiety. Why am I getting margin calls? This dip is taking longer than expected. I can't, I think I feel like I, because I've been short in the market for a little while. And I feel like I'm like living right in here. This de anxiety denial as yeah. the market's starting to drop down. It's like, wait, why is this taking so freaking long? Why, why hasn't it happened yet? Right. Yeah. But I'm, I, I guess I'm positioned into the negative. So I'm kind of like wondering why it hasn't happened yet. So I might be yeah. anxiety into the wrong side. Um, but yeah, anyway, anyways, this is, this is a little different spin guys. I wanted to bring this in as like this. The reason we talk psychology and Nina, you'd probably agree with this, but the reason I, I want to bring psychology into every conversation on Friday is the markets are an accumulative pulse of society and, and society's psychology. So like if you took the average you know, weight of like what society believes about the market, the psychological belief of the market, the price reflects that uh, psychology. And so in a way, the price of the market is the pulse of human psychology for whatever market in the US, you know, the S&P 500 or the Wilshire 3000, you know, it could be either of those. Or if it's uh, tech companies, it's going to be the NASDAQ, right? Or if it's one stock in general, it's going to be that single stock. But I found that if you can start to master your mind and understand how the mind reacts, then you get you start to get the benefit of seeing how the market as a whole will react also. And as long as you can be with reality, as long as you can be true to yourself around like, this is real, and this is how humans will react to things, then you can find opportunities. And that's what making profits in the market's all about. It's about finding maybe the, the denial season that we go through and taking advantage of it when other people just, they, they don't believe that we're going into the next rally. They don't believe that we're going uh, into a recession or that there'll be price withdrawals. Um, but anyways, yeah. that's, I would say that my greatest, the greatest thing that I did for my personal trading was doing deep work in psychology, like understanding how my personal brain worked. And I don't know, Nina, if you have any experience with that or not that you'd want to share with our audience. But uh, for me, the thing that was the most impactful in my trading, I would say my business also, personal life, all that other stuff that benefited also, uh, was, was psychology. It was learning how the human mind works. And then when it reacts to things, what to expect the you know, for every action, there's an equal reaction. Well, when I react to the market, what kind of reaction or response do I get back? Yeah, no, 100%. I think that 
I would say that would, that's probably been the biggest takeaway in the years that I've been a trader is you, there's nothing that holds that mirror up to you better than when you're working that intimately where all there is, is you, a screen and dollars and cents, right? And knowing how you show up in reaction to what's going on. And like, I'm experiencing that even now. So like, if we speak specifically to Bitcoin, right? And, you know, end of last year, it hits its all-time high at 69000 and then plummets and just drops the whole time. Even now, there's part of me that's like, oh, crap, maybe I should sell low, you know? Like, obviously, I'm not going to because I'm, I'm above that. But it's like, they're, even an experienced trader, you're going to get that feeling where it's like you want to react and yeah, yeah. and not be in control anymore and having awareness around that and knowing how to combat that is the only way you're going to not fall victim to it because otherwise you will be one of the ones that just gets blown out of the water with everything else that's happening in the market because we are we're just small little fish you know yeah, at the end of the day agreed well, let's let's transition into our new segment. Um, I want to show this to you guys, and I appreciate what you said, Nina, because I think it transitions into this well. So we're going from uh, how we react to the market to some pretty big news that I think the world is going to start reacting to, and it yeah. on some levels it's surprising that it hasn't responded this way. But I just want to get you guys the what is around the market. And there's a lot of talk right now about a government shutdown. And Goldman Sachs this week came out with a statement, and you can see in this article, that there statistically is a 90% chance, based on all the inputs that they've put in, there's a 90% chance of a government shutdown coming up. Now, there's been a lot of politicians talking about this and a lot of jokes about, oh, well, we got to make sure we make it through the holidays. And, and it's just like... I mean, excuse my French guys, but it's just a complete shit show that I have to show up to work for my employees. My employees are expected to show up to work on time and they have deadlines and deadlines aren't hit. People get fired. But for some reason in our government, <laughs> we still allow these shutdowns to happen. And if this was the private sector, they would be completely out of business. But anyways, that's a that's another topic for another time. Um but what we're dealing with is a shutdown. And because of government shutdowns, there's typically a market reaction to this. And so I'm looking to give you guys some tips, some real trader insider uh, information on like what actually happens after a government shutdown and what's, what's typical. How does the market typically react to this so that you guys know how to position yourself the next couple of weeks? Um, as you saw the news on this, Nina, what was kind of your initial reaction to this? Well, as someone that's not really in the government, it's always like, oh, who cares? But now that I'm trading, that's very different, right? Because we see a lot of the economic turmoil that it creates in the grand scheme and then trickles down to what impacts me and my, because that's, that's really, if if we're being honest, that's really the only time we've noticed things is when it impacts us, right? And so for a lot of people, I think sometimes the government shutdown doesn't until far after it happens and they get the ripple effect, 
where traders or, you know, actual government employees get it right when it happens, because that's when their point of impact is. Right. And so looking at it, I'm still a little bit torn, though, because they don't have any fail safe for our military and our defense in order. So there's part of me that's like 90% might be too generous that it's for sure going to happen if, you know, our military is out in the wind. And yeah. they're yeah. they're not going to get funded. There's part of me that's having a hard time believing that they're going to let that happen. But I don't know. I uh, I just watched or just rewatched the the Big Short. Have you seen that yeah. movie? Yeah, yeah. And it's doing. It, I can't help but re- recall the moment where they're stacking the the cubes. I don't even what's that Jenga, right? It's Jenga. Yeah. But they've renamed it. They put like credit ratings on the side of the, the the blocks and he stacked them and it goes from C rating to B rating to A rating. And by the way, guys, what we're talking about is like Finch ratings. So like Finch goes out and rates banks. It ranks uh, certain portfolios, investment uh, vehicles, but it also ranks bonds. So like yeah. government issued bonds. And I couldn't help but think of the U.S. debt degrading and how... They were, they were going in, they were looking at these, you know, sections of bonds that were getting triple A rated by Finch. And he's going, these are crap. Like he even walked in, went, sat down with the lady. He was like, how are you rating these? And she's like, well, if we don't give them triple A ratings, they'll go to Moody's and they'll pay for them over there. And so we, like they're incentivized to give them these high ratings. Right. And I was listening to a guy uh, that I respect very much in the markets, Chamath uh, Palapatia, who's he has his own podcast. He does the all all on podcast, and he talked about uh, these Finch ratings being like three years old. Yeah, meaning that because we just went from triple A, the the U.S. dollar, our our treasuries went from triple A to double A just in the last month, and which is the biggest downgrade we've had in a long time. And guys like Chamath are saying, well, that's actually three years old. We should have downgraded that three years ago. So it's like, where are we really in our grading with U.S. bonds? And how it just has me think, like, how bad is this house of cards? And right. when is the when is this thing going to fall apart? Because we're pretending that our our solvency as a country is way better than it actually is. And we're just not. Maybe we're, we're trying not to create public panic. I don't know. What, what is the gameplay here? Well, I, it's got to be that. It's, I, it, it, it's like when you want to be, if, if let's say you're a company, right? And you're public on the market and you want to pretend like things are better than they are. So your overall stock doesn't drop and your value doesn't drop, right? That's sure. what we're doing on a, well, we're playing that on a global scale. Like we're trying to show that to everyone else that no, we're fine. We're fine. We're in all this debt. We can't, we don't have our shit together. We don't know what we're doing, but we're fine. It's good. It's good. And eventually you're going to have to, you've got to call a spade a spade. We're in trouble. And the only reason you aren't coming after us saying we're in trouble is because our guns are bigger than yours for right. now. Right. And so it's like, that's, that is what it is. No, that's a good point. It's like, you're saying our strongest, it's like, we're, we're all muscle. We're all bark, no bite, and our bark just got weaker. Like the one thing that we have as a country, which is our defense, our military aid, we basically just completely handicapped it. 
Exactly. So if they shut down, it's, it's why I, I keep thinking, I'm like, they're going to do something to delay this. I'm like, if you shut down with the one thing we've got right now, that's keeping, you know, everyone at bay, that's not going to work. Yeah. It's going to make us crumble even more. And I'm like, I don't see any logic behind doing that for the, for what they're doing it for. It, it makes no sense. Yeah. Agreed. Let's, let's check out this data, Nina. So this first I've got four different illustrations I want to show our audience, but this first one is a screenshot of GDP hit and quarterly annual annualized rates. So this is duration of shutdown by weeks based on percentage points. So this is this is like a tool that I discovered uh, more recently after having some shutdowns in my <laughs> trading experience. And by the way, for a lot of traders, this is this may be their first time they've ever experienced a government shutdown while trading. And so this yeah, is just be, if, if you're newer, newer to the game. No. Yeah. Yeah. It's very likely this may be your first one. Just like, a, you know, I would say most traders don't even have the benefit of a recession under their belt. You know, it's you've had to be trading for 16 years to have yeah. traded through the last, which is crazy. The longest cycle we've had in a long time. Yeah, it's not <clears throat> But here is a chart that shows the percentage in a drop in GDP by weeks in shutdown. So obviously it makes a lot of sense. The longer the government shut down, the more percentage yeah. in GDP we lose. And a lot of this has to do with what you're talking about. There's a percentage of, I think the government makes up 24% of total GDP. And so total GDP uh, as, a, as a measurement the government makes up a quarter of that. And so if we shut that down, there's obviously going to be an impact in GDP. And so right. the, the news we want to hear as an economy is that it shuts down this 90% chance only happens for like a week. Because then we only right. lose, you know, not, not even a full percentage. But if we go into four weeks of the government being shut down, that's a full percent drop in GDP, which you can just count on affecting the market as a whole. We're talking S&P 500. We're talking NASDAQ for sure. We're talking, you know, obviously the Russell 3000. All stocks will be impacted by this in a negative yeah. way. Um, where should we go next with it? Let's, let's take it to this, this illustration. Did you have a chance to, to look at this, Nina? No, that, I don't think that one's on my little sheet you sent. It may not have... Yeah, I may not have included it. I just found this one, but check this out. This is partial funding during prior shutdowns has reduced the hit to growth. So this That's is crazy. a, yeah, so this basically shows the last four times we shut down, which by the way, 95, that was awful, right? This That, that was right during Clinton's scandal was the yeah. that winter of 95. And you can see the duration in light blue and then the impact in dark blue. So 95, you know, we had a short shutdown uh, in terms of business days. December was a little longer, but the impact to GDP was, you know, about a percent uh, or a tenth of a percent, excuse me. But in October, we had about the same length but way more impact. Like GDP took a huge dive in the night in yeah. the 2013. And this was like post uh 
what was this post September 11th? So this was, gosh, when was that? What was happening in October 2013? That's a good question. I don't know why I don't remember that. I was trading during that time. And I don't remember that. I also don't, re oh, I remember December uh, 2018s. But you can see we had a really long period, but a really short period or a very short impact in GDP. So this just shows, regardless of how you want to look at it, we do not have positive GDP growth anytime there's a shutdown. Otherwise, we'd have that into this, these blue boxes would be into the negative. So I, don't, I thought that was an interesting chart. Yeah. Well, it's interesting um, that sometimes, yeah, sometimes people, even though it can sh can shut down for a short amount of time, like look at October and it, you know, it had a bigger impact. And it's tough to say if it, if it happens this time, just knowing what's not allocated already, it, it could be bad. Yeah. Well, we just went through increasing the debt ceiling. And somehow yeah. we already don't have our budget figured. I just don't get it. I yeah, it's like how did how did you just say we can spend way more money and you're not saying where we can spend it? How did yeah. like because shouldn't you have had that in order to say you can spend more money? Generally, you know, if if my kids want a raise or whatever, or an employee or anyone, and they're gonna say, Hey, I need more money, you say, Well, why are you getting more money and what are you gonna use it for? Yeah. Well, like, I think it was. Well, I don't. I think it was Warren Buffett that said this. He's like, you know, I can fix this problem. He said, the moment good. that we can't pay our bills, everyone in Congress is up for re-election. Everyone instantly. Yeah. Yep. So it's like, you, you want to fix the problem, you have to incentivize the carrot. And unfortunately, our political process is not incentivized to the lower spending. I mean, we're just. We like buy said, votes by spending ones, and, and giving favors. Actually, feel it. So, like, like you said, if we if we're running off of actual incentive, and it's so nice of us to think that they actually care about doing what's right for us. It's like, no. At the end of the day, they care about their own wallets, their for own sure. pockets, and getting voted and, for sure. And and we all do. We all need to take care of our house first. I get that, but it's like, put their job on the line. They'll care. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, guys, we're not here to solve all political problems. And until Nina runs for uh, yeah. the president, that's not going to happen. But so, I'm like, but we could, though. No, just, yeah. I don't. So that's, I mean, clearly we've got some problems uh, outside of our control there. But it, we have a spending problem. Uh, I heard Ray Dalio recently comment on this debt spiral. And I think this is what he's talking about. We're yeah. increase the ceiling. We're already running out of money. Even after a ceiling increase, the government's 90% likely to just shut down again. So what are we going to do? We're going to have to print more money. And then, yeah, we just, it's like a never ending problem. And then we wonder why we have inflation. And it's like, when are we actually going to deal? When is this administration going to actually deal with like, hey, we got to cut some bills. Not, not yeah. just that, and I'm not going to try to get political on this show, but the, the, this administration has signed off on billions of dollars through people that weren't even authorized to sign off on giving that money away. Like right. That's the other thing that's happened during this last uh, presidential election, this last cycle. We are seeing spending and a lack of accountability around spending, unlike 
any time we've ever seen before. And it's happening because we've like gone to this, this T level, the trillion level. Oh, giving a couple billion dollars away. That's not a big deal. While like you said, people at the grocery stores are, they're really struggling. Well, we here's, um, here's this chart just to move through this really quick. I don't know if you made sense of this or not, Nina, but this basically this little, the way I understand this chart, this intersection at zero days, if you guys go to the bottom of the chart to zero in terms of percent or the positive or negative kind of create this apex. And the apex point is really what happens after a shutdown. Right. So anything from the right of that dotted line is kind of the impact of every shutdown we had in 95, 95 to 96, the 2013 shutdown and the 2018 shutdown. So we're just showing you what's happened in the past. And every time before a shutdown, so like the news coming, which makes sense. Like if you right. know that there's going to be a shutdown, people start reacting now. But right. even after, there's been like almost 100% of the time, a light drawdown days after, like as the shutdown happened. And then, then there's a recovery. So that's an interesting piece to note also. So like there's like this five... Maybe even you could say it's kind of even flat. Like if I were looking at this historically, it goes kind of flat into like seven business days. But then right. after about a week, you could say, or seven business days, then everything actually starts to recover. Like, oh, we we thought that was going to be, the market thought that was going to be way worse than it actually was. Right. And so I think there's some, I think there's some really great insight here. One is short-term sell, long-term, mid-term, even like probably mid, what would that be? Mid-October, maybe late, mid to late October. It's like, this might be a great opportunity to get back into the market. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's always good. The nice thing about panic is it does create a lot of movement and yeah. people react way more when they're scared than when they do when they're happy. And yeah, what's the VIX at right now? Do you follow the VIX much? No. I'm yeah, I'm curious what the VIX is at. I wonder if it's spiking now. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm going to check. Let's see. Yeah. I mean, it's back up to 16. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so the VIX is climbing. So this makes sense. I mean, it's still on an all-time low but it is starting to spike up a little bit. I think people are getting a little concerned. This is that confusion phase. You know, you go back yeah. to that psychology moment and it's yeah. like, okay, guys, based on everything we just said, where are we at in this cycle? Let's see if I can bring it back up. This is an interesting. Well, and try and figure out. His, like, where are we in this? When I check in, I try and see where I I'm checking in at. And then where fundamentally I can see the, the, you, the, whatever I'm trading at is checking in, at, you know, because those are often, they can be different and right. hopefully they're different. Otherwise you're just, you know. Yeah. It seems like I would say the general market is like living in this complacency area still. Yeah. I mean, based yeah. on the VIX, the, the VIX is a great indicator to show how much, like when there's high volatility, we're down in here. We're down in panic, right? Yeah. If you go back to the VIX uh, during 2020, when it started hitting like 60, right? 70. Uh, 
people were getting scared. Unemployment was going through the roof. People thought they were going to die. The world was going to end. That's when this happened, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it just seemed from a societal place, it seems like complacency is where we're at. For me, I think I'm probably more in this denial panic phase where I'm every piece of news I get is always worse. I've not gotten a good piece of data this whole year. It's like, just right. give me one good piece of data that says things are going to get better. And it's like, inflation's coming down. I guess that's good data. Well, so they say. Yeah. Because that's the thing you got to look at. As lived, is it coming down? Yeah. And, and for most, I would say that's, that's not the case. It's like not coming not... back, if that's what yeah. you're saying. Yeah, yeah like, exactly. Like, we're not okay, going to have deflation. We may not have like, you know, $8 eggs anymore, but I'm like, that's, it's, it's not down. And when you look statistically just at the rate that, of how much more expensive things are versus how much the average income has gone up, the math, the math ain't mathing. Like it's just it's not working out. Like I don't understand how we haven't hit that point where some, something's got to give. Right. Right. It's, insane to me so yeah i think we, we we are definitely at that complacency or confusion or whatever you want to call it point where people just aren't they're not really sure what to do and so they're doing nothing so it's just like stand still yeah yeah agreed let's i think this is a good opportunity we could transition to this ism uh purchasing manufacturers or oh, managers yeah. excuse excuse me the reason I like this, by the way, and I, as I go through my, the like laying out for you guys, kind of our topics, when I went through the government shutdown, my immediate response is like, okay, how do I make sure I check myself, right? How do I, yeah. before I go short on the market this week, and because I mean, this is what fundamentals are telling us right now is like, it's very likely, I mean, you guys saw this chart. Let me, let me show it to you one more time. Uh, this is it. No, that's treasury year bonds. Let me show you the actual S&P. But as we looked at this, the, on the S&P, this chart shows we're coming into a shutdown and both pre, the odds of it pre going down. So you can almost see in every line up to apex we were either coming up, went above, and then started right before, you know, maybe they got the announcement five days before, three days before, who knows. But right up until the announcement that they're like, yeah, government's shutting down, the market started going down before. So there's kind of like this three to four day before, like, yeah, this is happening. I would say that's happening now with Goldman Sachs uh, assessment. They're basically saying like, it's going to happen. So I would imagine that reaction is, is getting put into the market today. And then we're going to have some slow, you know, pull off afterwards, just betting the odds, betting the likelihood of what's going on here. So having said that, I, I the reason I went to ISM on purchasing managers is this is a report that really gives us an idea of GDP. It gives us real data around PMI that like, how can I measure how well the country's actually doing? And it goes back to what I was telling Nina, like the data is just not good, guys. It, it's yeah. just, is, it's worse uh, every time I look. So let me, let me pull up 
these two charts. Um, let's start with I, the ISM. Well, and that's what, there was one argument as I was looking last night about the shutdown, right? Where they're, they're like, sometimes the government has to decide, you know, the better worse. Because if they do shut down, then they there's no economic data that's coming out. So if the inflation mm -hmm. report is anticipated to be worse, <laughs> them not having to post that could be worth it to them for shutting down and taking the smaller hit on the GDP. So hmm. it's kind of like they toss it up and see which one which one will be worse for us. Really. Hide it. Interesting. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, China's doing that. China has yeah. recently pulled their unemployment numbers, so they don't exist anymore as of this year, which is, st it's like, come on, guys, that doesn't make it look better. Like you hiding it is like a child hiding yeah. the chocolate on their face after eating the cake. It's like, come on, we know now you're in trouble. Like we, like we see the evidence is clear. Uh, you just made it worse. But yeah. that is less clear for sure. I didn't, I didn't consider that, that maybe a shutdown is a way to hide some data. And you're, you're right it would do that for that time period. Huh. Yeah, so so they could they could just be throwing it out there that it's like taking the gamble. Is shutting down for a week going to impact the GDP more or less than us posting data that yeah. we don't want to see? You know, I just don't I just don't think they're that smart. That's just that's true. That I just don't. Dangerous. Yeah, you know, we have these we have this, and I, you know, I'm not trying to be argumentative, but we have this thing where like as humans, we think the government's out to get us. And trust me, my involvement in politics came from that place too, where I was just like, these people are out to get us. And so I got involved to find out. And really what I found out is that these are just normal humans and yeah. frankly, not very intelligent in a lot of ways. And so I, it's comforting to know that we have a bunch of idiots running our country because then it's like, well, they're not trying to con us, but There's at the same time, money is the motivator. And I think we give it too much credit sometimes that there are these cabals and uh, secret societies running the country when it's like, no, it's just money. It's mostly. Yeah. Just yeah, it is. Yeah. I agree with that. It's all, it's always money. It's always what we're getting. So here's, here's the uh, ISM. Purchasing Managers Index, the PMI. The only thing I, I want to bring up is this 50% line is the one to be watching, guys. And since 2000, uh, 2020, you can see like here's the COVID crash at 2020. We were already there. It was almost like COVID gave us a good excuse to dump a ton of cash into the system, into a market that was already crashing because we were already tanking pre-COVID. We were already below 50 pre-COVID, which means GDP, the markets, the general economy was already kind of crashing or coming to a slowdown pre-COVID. Then COVID happened, threw us way into this bottom. Then we threw a ton of cash into it and it obviously climbed us back up. We've been below 50 for the last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, almost 10 months. Wow. And we are showing some incline uh, in manufacturing, but this, this isn't great data. We're in a downtrend and it's going to, what I wouldn't expect this time, and I don't know what your thoughts are on this, Nina, but from a from a U.S. perspective, I don't see us doing stimulus because we're we've got an election coming up. 
And if we see a ton of extra spending, which will likely cause inflation, I think that'll be a massive talking point politically that our people we're voting for this next round don't want to have on them. So I think financial solvency will be a topic this next election. Uh, so I actually don't think we're going to see another spike like this because we're not going to dump a ton of cash into the system like we did before. Uh, yeah. Your thoughts, Nina? No, I agree with that. And I would add the student loan, the moratorium on that ends October 1st too. So not only will we have less, I because I, I agree, I don't think we're getting another stimulus. I don't think there's that fail safe coming. And when people have to start making those payments and let's say the government is shut down, and they don't understand, like, or have questions about that because the payment will still be due, but they can't call, they can't work anything out, they can't extend, they can't, they have no leniency either. Right. And so going into that, plus going into the most expensive quarter of the year with holidays for people, right. this is going to be a very interesting dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. From not the- to mention, uh, yeah. September is historically a negative month of the year. Totally. And pre-election Septembers are historically a negative. So we've got a lot of things stacked up against us uh, this yeah. month. Call yeah. it, call it uh, bad omens, right? <laughs> but I mean, just it's just timing. It's just the yeah. timing market. It, um, it's just like this crazy threat. Yeah, there's a bunch of them. I think this chart just reiterates what we've already been saying, but I want to show our audience this before we get off. This is Michigan's Consumer Sentiment uh, Index. And this is a measurement of, uh, it's like a, a way they survey the public to get the sentiment around what, how, how the market's doing. And you can see since even 2000s, pre-COVID, we think, the, like generally speaking, the US thinks the market is worse than it was at the low of COVID. That's, That's where we're great. at right now. So the what is interesting is this isn't a surprise. Like people typically, like when we had the housing crash, the bubble that popped, most yeah. people were oblivious to it. And that's why it, it got so big and then popped is people just didn't, everyone thought, you know, it was roses and, uh, and yeah, and sentiment was insanely high. We're yeah. not seeing that now. The sentiment is not high, but the markets are. It's kind of this backwards thing that's happening. So I don't know what to make of it. I don't know. I mean, sentiment and trust in the market obviously is is a necessity to keep the markets up. But when you've got sentiment down and the market's still up, it's like, what's, I don't know, what's going yeah, on, what, right? That's an interesting perspective because it's like, what what are what's causing that flip? And is it, maybe it's just that there's more people you know, managing their own funds in the market or relying on it less. Does that make sense? So like they're, they're out there getting money in a lot of different other areas. And so the reliance on, yeah, maybe we're just more real with it that, hey, our retirement's going to look very different than what we thought it was going to. And so we're going to have to get more creative and more responsible around where that money's coming from. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, guys, as far as the market goes, this has been a pretty negative week. Um, I have no positive news for you. I have nothing that says we're at a bottom. If anything, there's a lot pointing towards the negative. Having said that, we've got 
a couple seconds left. Let's just pull up our charts really quick. I want to move over to gold or I want to move out of gold and into uh, S&P real quick. And I just want to show you guys an S&P chart. Let's just bring up new chart here. I don't know if you've been watching the S&P recently. Yeah. But I... I'm, I'm active right now in the S&P. And so it obviously keeps my attention. Yeah. Let's go check out a daily real quick. Give it a second to load. The reason for this is if we're going to be shorting the market, guys, you're going to want to have a pretty good idea what the market's going to be doing. Put a four hour on this. data to load. It's always a lot with the webinar running in the background. It's like, gosh, all this data has to load. Okay, here we go. But here we are, guys, on the S&P 500. And I just want to do this really quick. And Nina, you can check my homework. Yeah. Or you can uh, check my work on this. But I'm going to go in and just back this way up get some support and resistance levels in. Let's see if I can get a good price here. Whoa. Six, two, so this is earlier into the year. Yeah, I like this, I like, the 4,000, I mean, it's really testing this 4,000 level. Yeah. It's even, but I'm going to bring it up a little bit to this 4030. We definitely have support there. Looks like we've got support off this old high here, which is why we're bouncing off the 4,300. I'm to actually move these up. Put our support in green. So I'm going to mark the 4,000 because that's going to be a support regardless. Yeah. This was just above that here. And then there was kind of one here, but we're so far above it. I'm not that concerned about this. Let's see how this looks like we've had a breakout in this. I'm going to bring that into a four hour chart real quick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're, it looks like we've broken out of that just about. I mean, it's really close. It's coming out well, of the highs. Yeah, it tested it and then it got scared. Yeah, it's, it's tested this high. Guys, this yeah. is a really solid, I know it's Friday, but when I see stuff like this, we're already in a short trend. I mean, you could see the trend even coming way back in here. Like we could probably grab it 
from even the high, I take this whole thing. Yeah, see, we've broken out of this low even. Yeah. So this isn't valid anymore. I mean, we're in short trend here, short trend here. We could go into trading view real quick and look at the technicals. I bet you were getting a ton of short signals, but this is what interests me the most is like you said, Nina, it, it tested this high here. Yeah. And then and it closed with a really solid red. So it's yeah. like, oh. Well, this is active right now. So it's testing. Oh, the, it hasn't closed. Yeah, we're still we're still open today. So I mean, this is gonna run for another four hours. So I mean, guys, this is probably Sunday, like Monday morning, if I were to guess, just based off, and I'm not guessing, I'm just using deduction. But if I were to project where this is going to be tomorrow or into Monday, it's going to be here. So it's yeah. Monday's candle. If I were to draw it, it's likely going to be right there. Yeah. And the reason is because of the support. And I mean, we just gave you all the fundamentals. I mean, Nina and I just went over like fundamentally the market, which is the S&P 500 kind of represents the whole market. The market yeah. does not like the shutdown idea. It, it doesn't like September. And we're technically sitting on a uh, we're sitting on a nonlinear resistance level right now. Well, and we know that the the positive or the bullish reaction we're seeing was probably from the cooled inflation report. It wasn't as bad as people were anticipating, and so they're excited. But that's all going to come to a crash with shutdown. So yeah. it's like all this did was buy you better positioning if you are going to shorten it. And you got it. There was at least a week yeah. of good, I mean, not yeah. solid movement up, but like, you know, good volatility up good, and good down. Yeah. 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 You can, you can make something off of that for sure. Yeah, I would, I would say this is a pretty strong position short. Uh, let me pull this up really quick on here and see what it shows. I think I have this saved. Yep. So we're sell neutral on oscillators, really strong on the moving averages. So if we brought up moving, I mean, keep your, so this is what I look at too, guys, when I'm looking at like, okay, yeah, it says sell, but it's like, okay, we got to get time period. This is on a daily. So that's beneficial Four hour. We might want to look at, but you can see 10 day moving average sell 20 day sell 30 sell. It doesn't go into a buy until you get to like 200. And that's like, that's like a trade you're going to hold for half a year. So, I mean, yeah. obviously that's not something I'm interested in. Well, this was Especially fun. when you're going to have that much more selling by the time it buys back up to where you bought. Yeah. Agreed. agreed. Yeah. Good luck. Right. Well, Nina, this has been fun having you on. Any, any thoughts, comments for our audience before we jump off? I know we went a little long here. My only thought would be, I think sometimes when you're feeling the, the heat or the negativity of the news, remember that you can leverage anything in your favor, especially as a trader. So the awareness that comes from the market, just find, find your angle and find a way to leverage it so that, you know, 
it's working for you, even if it's again, if it seems like it's against. Yeah. Yeah. That's great advice. This little guy, he, he agrees. He woke up. Uh, <laughs> He's he like, yeah, don't let the news get you down. <laughs> yeah. No, we're not. I'm not. Yeah. Thanks, Nina. Hey, good yeah. to see you. It was good to see you too. Bye. Thanks for having me. Yep. Yeah, thanks. Thanks guys. And uh, we'll see you same time, same place next week.